Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 23rd episode of the Believe in the Long Run podcast series. I am your host, Dom Santina, and we have another wonderful guest with a pretty lengthy and high-quality interview coming on, so we're going to keep our warm-up portion of the podcast short again this week like we did two weeks ago with Dave Hudson. And so before we get into the intro about who we're having on here, just got to hit our social media one more time. You can find us at Believe in the Long Run on Instagram and on Twitter at The Long Run 5. This is where we post all of our updates about who's been on the show, what the show's about, and what you can expect to see from upcoming episodes. And if you're a first-time listener or maybe... You've been following the series and want to go back and listen to previous episodes. You can find all of our previous episodes on any of your favorite podcast platforms, such as Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple iTunes, and of course, Believe.com. Just search for Believe in the Long Run, and all previous episodes will pop up for you. Take a listen. We've had some great guests on the show. As I mentioned, a couple notable ones are Leah O'Connor a professional runner now, former runner and national champion at Michigan State University, and Aaron Finn, who was highly touted college athlete and high school prospect, now studying in med school at the University of Michigan and talking about her future in marathoning and things of that nature. So go check out either of those two, along with quite a few other episodes that we've had great guests on as well. This week is no different. We have a great guest, and her name is Lisa Taylor. She ran at Michigan State University back in the early 80s, 1980 to 1984. She now currently is the executive director of the Traverse City Track Club here in Traverse City, Michigan, and she's been with the track club since 1989. When they moved to Traverse City, and it's been a big part of their life, as she talks about, as not only as a runner, but a participant and volunteer. And she'll talk to you about how she got that position of executive director, some of the programs that she has helped out creating and run, and everything that goes into what she does with the track club. It's a very good conversation. There's many different things that the track club does but one of the biggest ones that they overlook is the bay shore marathon which is a major marathon here in northern michigan and we talk a little bit about what she had to go through this year with covid and how that all played out as well and then she's also been coaching at traverse city central she's been coaching the cross-country team for over 20 years now, going on almost 30 here in a few years. So she'll talk about that briefly a little bit, and I ask her opinion on what's going on with this year and how she thinks it's going to go, and we have a fun little discussion about that as well. So without wasting any more time, let's get to it. Let's welcome Lisa Taylor to the podcast. On your mark, get set. All right, then I'll just start with the first question. What got you into running? Um, so I was became a runner early in the well mid seventies, 
ran high school, had success, and then ran in college at Michigan State, had some success there. Just I just love running since the first run I ever took, and it's been a big part of my life all through the years um, since I was about 13. So um, it was a sport, and I was a, a girl who loved sports, and when I had success with it early on, it just kind of snowballed from there just because I really love doing it. And so it's been, I've got, you know, quite a few miles on my body. Um, being in my late fifties, I, I figure I've run enough to run around the earth's equator about once and a half. <laughs> so been doing it for a while. Oh, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, it's been fun, and uh, I hope to be able to keep doing it for for many years going forward. Well, that's always the goal. So. Yep, it's a challenge, but it gets much harder the older you are. But trying to figure it all out and uh, hopefully bring some other people along with me in the process. How did you find the Traverse City Track Club? So shortly after we moved here in 88, like um, the summer of 89, we found Traverse City Track Club because of the Summer Series, which is its oldest program. And um, we started going to track club to run with other people every Wednesday night. And while we were there, we found people who became really just a lot of our lifelong friends and um, so it was like a social club for us and at the time the club didn't have a lot of things going on yet Um, and so we were super involved as volunteers and it was just always a huge part of our huge part of our lives Um, not only volunteering and bringing running out to more people but just also the social and the friendships that we met from from uh, running with people who loved it as much as we did. Now you're currently the executive director. When did you start that position and what made you want that position? So in um, up until uh, 2017, the club was organized by volunteers and we had always been super involved with the club and I was always staying on top of what was going on with it and became aware that it was one of the club's goal to hire its first ever staff to lead the organization, which is a nonprofit. And so that position is called executive director. And so when I found out that they were going to be hiring their first ever executive director, I really, really jumped on that and got my ducks in a row and applied for the position and ended up getting it. So that was March of 2017. And so we're just over just over about three and a half uh, years with staff for the organization. And right now we still just have one, but we have a lot of independent contractors too, Uh, um, event managers and program managers, and um, those folks we hire on an independent basis. So, yeah, I'm uh, – my my stock answer is I – People say, how do you like your job? And I say, well, I'm still pinching myself that I got it because I love it so much. It's just, you know, I'm working in an industry that I love and that has played a big part in my life. And so um, it's going great. And hopefully uh, 
will will survive through these tough times, just like a lot of other nonprofits going through challenges. What is the goal or mission of the track club? So our um, official goal is to promote and encourage health and fitness, uh, fellowship, community, um, recreation for family, community service, and then um, all of that done through running and walking. And so our events and programs are our way to meet our mission to get more people running and walking. Okay. Um, now we talked about when you came. Do you know when the club actually started? Sure. It was started in 1962 by a local runner named George Kuhn, who he really was, you know, at that time in 1962, so few people were running that he was really just looking for fellowship of other runners. And so by organizing little weekly races in the summer, he was able to find other like-minded people to come out and run with him. And that was the start of it all. Um, that group of people, you know, went on to become the core group of people that would create things like the Bayshore Marathon and um, other events that we do. And so it's um, it's known as the oldest runner running club in the state of Michigan with the, um, the organization called the Roadrunners Club of America. And it's probably one of the older clubs in the nation. I don't know the exact competition on you know what those other clubs are, but it's been around since way before the first running boom in the 70s, and it's just grown, and especially recently, it's grown from um, a pretty small group of people to over about a thousand members at this point. Huh, I didn't know, know that. That's really interesting to know that it's one of the oldest. Yeah, yeah, it's 62, you know, pretty much then the only people running were um, a few men um, and, and mostly hardcore, you know, super fast competitive people and now running includes so many different ages and abilities and talents and so it's it's definitely gone through several booms since 1962. Oh yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned the summer series. What are some of the programs that the Traverse City Track Club offers? So one of our bigger programs is um, our charitable giving program, which is really able to be successful because of the the profit that's generated by the Bayshore Marathon, Half Marathon and 10K and Kids Marathon, which we do every year since 1983 in on Memorial Day weekend and so that event the popularity of that event is responsible for probably uh, almost a hundred percent of our income to be able to do our charitable giving program um, so that that program is one of our um, it, it's our program that really helps us to to meet our mission by having community involvement um, and so the you know, charitable giving is, is a big part of what we do, but we also have a strong, uh, strong programming for our membership, including weekly fun runs all year long, 
Um, we've got a program called the Grand Prix Series that supports other running events in the five county area we serve. And um, basically by bringing all of the area's events together in a calendar and encouraging people to participate, we're, we're supporting wider participation in our sport um, or our, I, I, I sometimes hesitate to call it a sport because it's it's more a, an activity or a form of uh, a, a way to pursue fitness because um, not everybody wants to be competitive with it. But um, back to what I was saying, um, with our with our profit from Bayshore, we're able to do several other events, including the remembrance run it's called the good fight 5k we renamed it this year that's been going on for 26 years and then we have the jingle bell run that is uh just a fun community event that's been going on for a long time informally but more formally since about 2012 that program has really gotten up to about 600 people participating in december in a fun run and then we have a uh an event called farmland 5k in late in early december and then in the late january we have the frozen foot which is a five mile so we've got five events and then um the biggest program we have um in terms of um you know teaching is our training program we have a a training program that teaches new runners in both the fall and then in the spring to get ready for Bayshore. Um, and then there's just a lot of social uh, membership activities that take place, like our annual awards program in January. And then we've been doing um, a speakers series program in January where we, we bring in uh, a top-level runner that has achieved a lot or overcome a lot uh, that talks to our membership and educates them about some inspirational aspect of, of running in the running world. So there, there's a lot we're doing and um, I would say probably we've got our hands in lots of different things to, to keep encouraging people to be active through running and walking. That was a long answer. <laughs> That's all right. It was a good in-depth answer. But, yeah, it's a lot of things, and it's a lot of good things that you're doing for the community. What is one of your favorite things that the club does? Um, I would say, in terms of events, I really love seeing our Bayshore Kids Marathon fun run. Um, it's for K through... Uh, fifth grade aged kids and we we give kids the opportunity to run a full marathon by working toward it throughout the spring and then on the day of Bayshore when we have all of our exciting um, decorations up and uh, you know the the excitement of a big event going on we take the kids out on that course and finish them at our actual finish line and they get to complete the final 1.2 miles of a, a full marathon and that that's probably the most fun to watch because kids are just so they have no expectations and they're just so joyful um 
that's really a neat thing to watch. And to think that a positive experience like that might be this, um, you know, the, the incentive or the excitement that makes them want to pursue it later on in life. I, I love that program for that, for that reason. Um, I also like that we can be giving back to our community. I'd say those two things are, are the things I like the most about the club. I definitely have to say the uh, giving back is a big one that stands out for sure. Yeah, and I guess maybe if I could add a third thing too, I think the um, the other thing that's great about the club is how it really can become a, like a welcome welcoming organization for people who are new to our community who um, might be looking for other people that want to be running and walking. It's a great group of people that is always has always been real welcoming to to bringing more people into our ranks. Okay, yeah, that's that's cool for sure. Yeah, I always feel like running's been a very open community, no matter where you're at. Mm-hmm. Um, what what kind of preparation goes into holding some events such as the summer series or the fun runs and stuff like that? Uh, it's the you know it's it's at the point now where what we're doing from year to year is just trying to improve programming and. Um, try to be efficient with our programming so that we're not spending a lot of money. Um, we're just focusing on efficiency and technologies. Uh, and so that's, that's a year long process. And then in terms of events like Bayshore, we start planning for that the day after the last one has just finished. Um, cause it's such a big event and, we want to keep making it better so that people will continue to come back. And um, we also, the the events that we do, like Bayshore and some of the other events I mentioned early, are our way to have good relationships with people and and you know organizations in our in our community. And so we're we're all talking about it on a year round basis, um, but it involves you know, a, a committee of people, and then it involves over 1,200 volunteers every year and different organizations like the, the police and the emergency um, services, the sheriff, the fire department. It's really a, a big community event that takes takes a year-round focus. Um, and so it's it's what we do. It's part of our mission. So everybody who's involved with it has a lot of fun with it. Yeah, I'm sure a major marathon like that it uh, takes a lot of preparations for. So yeah, it's it's uh, the people involved really do. They're there because they love that world and the running industry as a whole. People who are involved in it in it tend to really be doing it be, for their passion, you know, not so much it's just a job, it's more their passion that brings them to it and want to, to want to be involved with it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was reading your bio on the Traverse City Track Club webpage, and it says that you have helped create many programs. What programs have you helped create in the Track Club? Um, I'd say probably one of the, the bigger ones was our, 
our aid station program for the Bayshore Marathon. Um, and that sort of began a whole new, I guess, era for races in our community where the volunteer people that we could put together in volunteer positions would really make the difference in the success of the event. And so just as an example of the importance of our volunteer programs for Bayshore, we have, um, we have about 30 different groups that help make Bayshore possible in terms of volunteer groups. And, um, the, the line item for, volunteer groups that, that are usually non-profit organizations, um, the line item to, to actually thank and, and remunerate those groups for working our events is, is upwards of $40,000 a year. And so on one hand, we're getting really excellent um, workers to provide the services that are part of our events. But on the other hand, we're also giving um, more of our we're giving more of our charitable giving to nonprofit organizations that come out to work our events. Um, and so that, that one, I really, I'm most proud of, you know, forming the, the backbone for that program because in our area with events is that we really do have a strong um, sort of charitable volunteerism that takes place where people will volunteer their time in support of their organization and it's it's almost become like a model for our community um, for example like the the um the national cherry festival uses that that model for um having volunteers help them manage all of their events each year that are part of the national cherry festival so um I'm proud of that one. The other one, other programs have been smaller, but, you know, I think my my years of volunteering for the organization up until I became its first staff, um, through those years, I've, I've had kids programming. Um, I've done different events in the area that are sponsored by the club, like um, for many years we had like a weekly interval night where we'd show up at the track and and run together doing half mile interval workouts um and then just uh kids programming uh a while back when my daughter was young we would we created a kids program that would take place during the same time that summer series went on and so for 10 weeks we exposed little kids to to running so those are the main things that i'm I'm proud of uh, in my volunteer years. And, and now, you know, in my job, I just get to oversee everything that's going on and, and hopefully come up with some exciting programs in the future too. Yeah. Excited. Looking forward. Now I definitely would say community involvement, no matter where you're at in Northern Michigan is a huge deal. Mm -hmm. Um, but with everything that you've mentioned that goes on in a typical year, having the virus thrown on top of it had to make it even more of an more of stuff to do and plan for. And so, what kind of went into having to decide whether or not to hold Bayshore and some of the other series? Yeah, um, I mean that that's a whole that's a whole podcast there in itself. I, I mean. 
everybody involved in the, the early stages, like the Bayshore Committee, um, you know, it was a big concern early on when we started hearing whispers of events having to cancel. And so just preparing our message and um, what we were going to offer to our, our registrants was a really long process, probably five weeks leading up to the point that we announced we were going to cancel. And so we really wanted to, a lot of the planning focused on thinking through how we could give good op options to our registrants and not just say, oh, we're canceled, see you next year. We wanted to really think through what next year was going to be like and try to, you know, anticipate that. Um, we, we ended up putting a lot of energy into what kind of options we were going to present. And as it turns out, it, 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 it worked out well for us because about 75% of our registrants deferred to Bayshore for next year. And so what we're focusing on is like usual, getting ready for the event, which for any year, whether there's a pandemic or not, the planning for a big event like Bayshore starts taking place. It's a year-round process. Um, and so when, um, when we found out that 75% wanted to come back next year, um, now what we've done is focusing on making it the great event that it has been and figure out ways that we can maybe improve it, but also have plan B in place, which is factoring all the, the, the needed um, adjustments that have to go on when you offer an event that's a safe event when there's still some restrictions going on from our the, the health organizations like the, you know, we work really closely with our local health department and you know, there's a lot of, what do you think if? And then the running in this industry as a whole has is a very um, close group of people who are very giving to each other of time and resources. Um, and so, like, I've been working on the manual for um, putting on Bayshore with um, – social distancing in place and mask wearing in place. And I didn't have to reinvent the wheel because of the help that was provided by the running industry, like, um, you know, USATF, Running USA, Roadrunners Club of America, um, you know, private businesses like the Spartan people who put on those Spartan events. Everybody has been just it's been so um, cool to see because people are giving their time and information without, you know, charging for it. And so that's been, that's been a big part of what we're doing. And I think we're probably like a lot of other events, our size that are especially worried because we're, you know, we're not small events. We're a, a major event that, you know, we hope we can do it and, but we're ready if we have to do it with some adjustments too. Now, I know you said there's there's probably a lot to this quick follow-up too that maybe sometime we'll, I'll have to call you again and we can do one on the whole process. But 
did you, I know timing-wise it might not have been there yet, but did you guys look at what other marathons were doing and kind of go along Absolutely. those guidelines too? <laughs> yeah, in fact, um, um, another marathon that was similar in size canceling was sort of a trigger point for us to go ahead and release our announcement because, I mean, we had the announcement writ written for you know, at least a week before we sent it out. Um, and so, yeah, you, you know, you don't want to, you don't necessarily want to be the first and you want to learn by watching what happens with, with other events. And so, you know, we had been looking at what we were going to be doing and in a lot of our decisions, because we're a nonprofit organization, we needed the help of our full board to help us make decisions about what we would do with our finances. And, um, and so, you know, our board helped make that decision about offering deferment or a refund or the option to donate. Um, and uh, so it was a very conscious, well thought through process um that involved you know not not just one person but a lot of different people yeah i mean there's this resource from running usa and they have you could you could look at it right now it has like a running a running list of all the events across the nation that cancel it's just phenomenal to look at it like you you, it's a database, um, and you punch in a date, and then all, all these events pop up that canceled on that date. And so, yeah, the you know watching what other events were doing was really important. Um, and even you know, I think one of the things that might have happened in the industry is that there was a for the events that didn't cancel that probably should have that waited until the last minute. There's a little bit of a disappointment because it was obvious they were going to have to cancel, but they waited too long, and it just seemed like it would be helpful to runners to know as early as possible if an event was going to be canceled. Um, so yeah, we did we did look at what others were doing, and you know, a lot of times you'd you'd even um, sort of look at how the message was being sent out, and you'd try to you go, hey, that was a really good way to communicate that. I'm going to kind of, you know, use that approach with, with our registrants. And that, you know, that went on all the time. And I even had somebody ask me, hey, is it okay if I copy your, your message? I thought it was really good. And I'm like, heck yeah, <laughs> do it. I mean, whatever helps. So what do you see for the club going forward? Um, you know, I think I'm optimistic that as soon as we have a vaccine, um, that hopefully we can return to what we were doing and what we have been doing. Um, and, and all along, our, one of our strategic priorities for our organization is to keep improving what we do. Um, you know, and so I think in the long, long term, my hope is we can stay focused on our mission, that our mission can stay the same, and that um, when people come back and are ready to, to um, you know, get out and 
participate in large events. Um, we hope they'll be there, and then even more people might come to our to our activity of running and walking because of this. Um, some of the people in the running industry wonder if this might be the the pandemic could be called the reason for a third running boom. Um, you know, more people aware of how good it makes you feel and how, how much it helps you clear your mind and straighten out your thoughts. Um, so hopefully, you know, we'll come out of this and can keep doing what we're doing for more people, which would really, really be a way for us to meet our mission. Yeah, I've, I would agree with that. I've seen just with when we were all in quarantine and stuff, just more and more people because they were stuck inside wanting to get out and run or walk or whatever. So yeah. I would I would agree that we might see another boom here. That would be so cool. Yep. Now you also wear another hat as a cross-country coach for Traverse City Central. Right. Super fun. I mean, it's that's a, a – everything. I'm really immersed in running in my career and in my passion and um, the cross country coaching has been a steady thing in my life for the last last 26 years with this one program at Central and you know for many years prior to that as a as a competitive cross country runner myself but um, yeah so I'm in my 26th year and. We are hoping to get our season rolling. Um, there's a little bit up in the air with how school is going to look locally, but um, we have been we've been working all summer long to get ready for a great season. Well, we got kind of, I guess you could say, a little bit of good news from the athletic association last week. Right. Saying yeah. that we can start practicing, that we should be able to compete. It just might be on a smaller level, which would be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see what kind of creativity comes out of this. You know, I kind of compare it to back in the 50s when Roger Bannister was trying to break the four-minute mile barrier and the, you know, people in the, the running world became so creative with that whole process. I'm kind of hoping that there are some some thoughts out there that will will be thinking along those same lines that it's really um it's an exciting it's an exciting sport if you if you know how it works and it's it's going to be interesting to see um are, are you a coach too are you coaching over there or um i'm i double checked in today i know the door's always been open but uh mm -hmm. yeah i was waiting to see what would happen this fall and so I'm hoping uh -huh. to join the staff at Boyne City and oh, jump great. on board. Good for you. So, yeah. Yeah, I've yeah. I've got the itch to coach. I was all set up to coach track last spring, which I was really excited about. And I actually think I was more upset with the season being canceled as a coach than I would have been as an athlete. So Uh huh. Yeah. I know. It's well that's great. Yeah, it's it's a great um uh, you know, cross country up here, we're we're so far removed from everything. It's it's really fun to interact with the other coaches, and there's a great camaraderie. Um, so hopefully, we'll get to see you at some event. 
um, this this coming fall. Our schedules are a little different than we thought, but yeah, that's um, the other thing that I think could be interesting too is the athletic association said something about going to smaller meets, maybe even dual meets, which I think would be kind of cool, taking it back to really kind of the the roots of cross country instead of these big, you know, now we see races that are 30, 40, 50 teams at an event, and getting back to the, you know, team versus team kind of dynamic would be kind of cool to see. I think so, too. I'm kind of excited about that, and, you know, once, once we find out more about what our firm schedule is, I'm, I was thinking of inviting some teams up to duel with us, like on a weekend, Mm -hmm. you know, the weekend Portage would have been, or, um, yeah, I mean, our, our schedule is, I feel worse for the kids that were super competitive and were really looking at you know, maybe having the great season so they could get the colleges to start looking at them. And, um, and so I was thinking like, it would be so fun to have a, like a duel with, <laughs> with one of those really strong teams. Oh, from yeah. Downstate. Um, I think didn't, didn't us cross country do that with, or didn't like the Bowerman team or somebody do that with, um, team from Japan for for world cross country a few years back. Oh, maybe it was Northern Arizona did it. Mm. I think they did. Um, anyway, yeah, I agree. The duels are going to be fun. Yeah, it's going to be interesting for sure. It'll be my the biggest thing that's going to be interesting is what they're going to do with the state meet too. That'll be Oh, I know. I hear I hear a bunch of different ideas floating out around there and once they decide how they're going to do it (laughs) I'm sure they're going to the MHSAA is going to hear from well I think Midcom really has a strong voice with the MHSAA and they're probably on the committee to help them figure out what to do Um, I heard somebody bring up the idea is have have um, races with separate races with your number one runner and then a separate race with your number two runner, and so on. Have you heard that one? No, but that's that's really interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know if I'd like that though. Oh yeah. Because you want you want more than. I mean, that's almost like a head-to-head race, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, like I like having more than one. I don't know. That would make it interesting. The thing that I'm really kind of curious to see how it goes is what the colleges are doing with a lot uh-huh. of them are now moving their cross-country championships to the spring which which that makes it difficult because i was actually talking to one of our runners from Boyne that's going to college to run this fall and i'm like you're gonna have cross-country and then you'll run your four or five meets you probably won't even have a conference meet you'll then go to indoor once indoors over, then you'll have your conference meet for cross country, and your if you make nationals, you have your national meet, and then you have outdoor. Wow. Yeah. And that's what a lot of like as I've been doing the podcast, I've been looking up and getting notifications. A lot of conferences are moving that way. Huh. I wouldn't like that. 
Well, and that's what we talked about. I don't know how many yeah. coaches how many coaches are gonna actually do that because I mean running's running, but as you know, you and I both know, there's a different philosophy from track to cross country. Yeah. And to change it up like that is that's gonna be tough. Yeah, I think if I think if all the track and field coaches at the college level were the head coach was also the cross country coach head coach, it would be a different story. Right. Um they are so different and um I'm I'm partial but uh I really like the I like the cross-country season a little better just because you really have that feeling of we're all in this together kind of thing because mm-hmm. you're yep. doing similar workouts. and But, um, yeah, well, it'll be interesting to see how it all shakes out and if we can go forward with what they do end up planning to do. Yeah. All right, that's all I have. Thank you for taking time right. to do it. So. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. You take care. You too. Well, once again, we'd like to thank Lisa Taylor for taking time out of her very busy schedule to join us and talk, sit down and talk about the Traverse City Track Club and her experience and how she got to the position that she's at and what kind of goes in with being the executive director. And it's a lot. I knew it was going to be a lot, but it was really more than I expected. And the thing that definitely stands out to me most about that whole thing is I didn't realize how old the Traverse City Track Club really is. I'm currently a new member. I just joined this last winter before the at the start of the year before all this hit. So I haven't been able to get down there and enjoy a lot of the races or things that have been going on because of COVID. And so I'm looking forward to hopefully continuing to do that, but going to have to see how things play out and We'll see. Definitely want to get down there and check out some of the events that go on and do what I can. But we'll just wait and see what happens. And um, one thing I saw in the news later after I interviewed her was kind of funny. Not the first time that this has happened that I had interviewed someone in the news in the area. Also talks to the same person either within a day or two or sometimes even the same day. But. It was in the news last night that the Traverse City Track Club has donated $13,475 in community grants. 2000 went to Generations for Future Generations. $4,850 went to the Grand Traverse Conservation District. 3500 went to the Grand Traverse Parks and Rec Civic Center Park. And $3,125 went to Seed Ecology and Education Center's EcoCorps training. So Lisa talking about how the track club helps the community and how they support the community. And that's just another example. And it just happened to be in the news. So I decided to catch it while it was on TV last night as well. And really, guys... That's going to be about it. Like I said, I want to keep this one short because I wanted to play the interview in its entirety. And I think it's really important for everyone to hear it. And I wanted to kind of change the perspective this week. We've had coaches, we've had runners, we've had professional runners, college runners, college coaches, high school coaches. And Lisa is a high school coach, but at the same time, it's an executive director of the the Traverse City Running Club. And 
for some of you out there, you know, like we said, we've also had a ma- a mother of two on here and just kind of trying to give you a different perspective because maybe not everybody relates to the college or, or professional runner or the coaches. Maybe, you know, we have casual runners just listening in as well. And so hearing what track clubs can do and maybe interesting you or getting you to look into a track club near your house, that that's maybe my hope with this one is trying to give our audience something to listen to that's entertaining and that you'll try to connect with. And so with this one, I thought, you know, track clubs are more popular with the casual runners and they're a way to get people out that maybe haven't ran before to find people to run with and get you motivated. So, and I knew they had a lot going on with the Bayshore Marathon being canceled. So I wanted to see what everything or how everything unfolded with all that and thought it was really interesting. So I hope you guys enjoyed it. I hope you took something away from it. And if you are new to running or looking for some motivation to go run, see if there's a track club in your area that you can go sign up for and become a member and find some people to run with. Before we head out of here to end episode 23, I just want to hit our promos once again. If you want to re-listen to this podcast or go check out any of our previous episodes, just search Believe in the Long Run on your favorite podcast platforms. That could be Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, Apple iTunes, or of course, Believe.com, plus many more. Just look for that title, Believe in the Long Run, followed by our 23 episodes now out and you can listen to any of our wonderful guests such as Lisa Taylor or Dave Hudson a high school slash college coach that we had on two weeks ago plus professional runners like Leah O'Connor and many other wonderful stories to tell in there as well and then once again you can always find all of our updates and our guest appearances on our social media channels you can find us on Instagram at believe in the long run or on Twitter at the Long Run 5. We always post what our episodes are about and when they come out and premiere, we'll let you know. And any other information that we think is relevant to the running community, we will share there as well. So go give those a follow as well. Make sure you like, share, comment all of our content with any of your running friends or anyone interested in running. That way we can continue building the brand. If we continue building the brand, getting more listeners, then more than likely we can even get bigger guests on the show as well. That's going to wrap it up here for the 23rd episode. We'll be back next week, hopefully with another guest. Everybody stay safe out there, stay healthy, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.